Aren't you guys glad that you're in church this morning? I mean, where else would you be on a Sunday morning anyway? Unless you're on, who said sleeping? That was awesome. Okay, I actually, I'll give you that one. Because that's what I would be doing if I wasn't here right now. Yeah, sleeping, that's good. As long as we're not talking about being asleep in the Lord, right, Beth? Okay, all right. Haven't we had a really good time? Um, the conference was great. A uh, lot of feedback from that. Super happy about that. Uh, and we've got a lot going on. Uh, we're going to be doing some additional traveling here and there. You know, Dan and I will be in and out a little bit here, a little bit there. So that's good. There's a lot of activity right now happening in the churches as a whole. You know, Visaya, uh, Yuma, and Boise. Uh, as well as the Chicago church, and we're very happy about that. So keep all of that in prayer because I, I want us to stay mindful of the other churches. Remember that you have saints in Cali, right, in Visaya, in Yuma. So when, uh, and Daniel promotes this a lot, you know, the gathering and the unification and so forth, and I, I support that 100%, 120%. But when Julie says this morning, that we want to stay in touch, and then Dan gets up here and says, Who, who's in Jesus? And mm, as far as I know, most everybody raised their hands, right? So then stay in touch with each and every one of you. Let's remember, we've got people in Boise. We've got people in Yuma. We've got people in Visaya. Let's include them. Let's stay in touch with them. Give them a call. I, I'm amazed when I go to some of the churches how some of you don't know one another. Now, that's not an indictment. That's just an encouragement, Right? that I want you to spread your wings a little bit and let's, let's reach out and support one another. Sound like a good idea? I think it's a great idea. So awesome. All right. Book of Acts chapter two, verse 41. I just want to read uh, this to you so we can recap a little bit about what has taken place here. How many remembers this is what, what is called the day of Pentecost. This was a festival among the Jews and on the day of Pentecost, uh, Jesus had instructed his apostles and all of those that were following at that time uh, to go into Jerusalem and tarry there until they were endued with power from on high. Now he had before time breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. That's pretty interesting. But then instructed them by commandment to go and tarry and wait in this upper room until the Holy Ghost came, and they were then filled with the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost was upon them. Now the Holy Ghost is in them. That's big, man. And so they're in this upper room, and you know the story. The wind of God comes in suddenly, and tongues cloven, cloven tongues of fire rest upon him, and they're filled with the Holy Ghost. Peter's filled with the Holy Ghost, and all them that were with him, the 120 there in that upper room, and then Peter stands up and preaches a glorious message about Jesus Christ. And once he's done, the hearts of them that heard them were pricked. And he told them exactly what to do. And this is going to tie into uh, Dan's uh, teaching on Wednesday and what he's done in the doctrines. Uh, he tells them exactly what to do to be born again. Isn't that awesome? You guys ask, like, why are these doctrines so important? Well, the way God showed it to me is it's creation. It's creation. It's how God creates. 
and takes from what is old and makes it new. This is how God creates a new creature is what I'm telling you. And so when you begin with things like repentance and you work through those doctrines, it's creating in you, Julie, a new creature. Isn't that awesome? How many would like to be a new man, a new woman, something that is new in God, not tainted by sin? Not something the devil got a hold of and ruined. Think about it. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. But listen, when he, when he began to preach to them, it pricked their hearts. And he told them, repent, be baptized, and God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost began to come. And this is what happened in verse 41 uh, after Peter has uh, pronunciated these things and preached this gospel. It says, they that gladly received his word. Now, that's interesting. They were baptized. So they're keeping the commandment to be baptized, to repent and be baptized and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, for those of you that think that this is still not a thing, it's a thing. If you think we left because we left what is known as Pentecost in this world, that we left repentance, baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, you'd be mistaken. We are absolutely believers 100% in repenting from your sins, being baptized in the name of Jesus, and letting God fill you with the Holy Ghost. It's just a little different than what it was. But now with truth, it's pretty powerful, isn't it? All right. He says, they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Dan, by the way, has also got a writing in that classroom with those three little lines. You go in there and it says apostles' doctrine. (laughs) I wouldn't recommend you start there. I recommend starting with the principles of the doctrine of Christ. And then let God grow you up and bring you into the apostles' doctrine. How about that? Is that some good instruction? Okay. So they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. What what was the apostles' doctrine in a nutshell? Wasn't it to repent from sins and to believe in the resurrected Jesus that both died, was buried, and raised from the grave and follow him and he'll give you a brand new eternity? That's about the quickest abbreviation I can give you. They said, we're going to stay steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, So is it important for us to fellowship? Fellowship what? The word of God, right? Take some time, give your tithes to God. That does not just include money. That includes giving your time, your thought, your meditation, your prayer, giving your words back unto God. Is that important for us to do that one with another? Oh, man. So he says, we stayed steadfastly. In the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers. You guys remember the communion we had uh, some time back. I don't remember what month that was. I think it was January, somewhere, somewhere around there. I still have people to this day talking about referencing that communion that we had to remember the Lord. You guys remember that? You want to do it again? We should, shouldn't we? All right, so breaking of bread and in prayers. How many pray every single day? What, what kind of praying are we talking about now? Because it's Christmas time. I'm not talking about getting a new bike or a new car or a new wife. None of that stuff, right? Talking about getting gifts of God. 
How many would like to become a gift of God? All right, I'm spending way too much time on this. I didn't intend to do this. But he said, fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Man, I love that. All that believed were together and had all things common. They sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. There's a house, 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 there's a house. So now we know where to break bread at, right? House to house. Tim, is that what you were talking about when you came up this morning? We're going to break bread house to house, right? House to house, they did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Have you noticed the change among our church? It's not so divided anymore, is it? There's a lot of unity, isn't there? Is there a singleness of heart? Do you hear a lot of different preaching and teaching that's scattered and all over the place? Or is it in singleness? Is it all focused on Jesus? Are we coming into the same vision, the same spirit, the same Lord, the same faith, the same baptism? Are you joining us in this thing? Uh Uh-huh. What the Lord has done for us, is God not doing that for you? Or is... Many as will make themselves willing and available. God will do it for whomsoever will. Is that, is that not true? So singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. I want to talk a little bit this morning. God has been very gracious. Now, I, I read that for a very specific reason. Why? Because God is birthing a church here. He is building a church. You guys remember when Jesus told his disciples after he said, who do men say that I am? Some said, well, you're that prophet. You're Jeremiah. You're, you're this one. You're that one. But he said, who do you say that I am? And Peter stood forth in the midst and said, thou art the son of the living God. We know who you are, Jesus. And Jesus said, what to Peter? Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. How many years did we spend time like a a tire caught in mud, just circling, can't get out of a ditch? How many times did we spend trying to obtain this thing, this revelation of Jesus, this, this glorious revelation of the gospel of God, heavenly, spiritual things? How many times did we try to obtain it, Deb, in the flesh? And some even came up with magic patterns and very, very specific things that you could do to try to attain to it, Tim. But it didn't work, did it? This thing does not come by flesh and blood. This thing comes by the Holy Ghost. So what should your prayer be? Your prayer should be that God, by way of the Holy Ghost, produce a cry in your spirit That the revelation of Jesus come to you, not by flesh and blood, but by the Holy Ghost from heaven. You think God will answer that kind of prayer? You think if you're attempting to work according to the flesh, that you're going to get into heavenly places? It's like Dan was talking about, we're made, like Paul said, to sit in heavenly places. But here's the thing. Paul also said, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So you can't get there by flesh and blood. 
This is the thing that Jesus had to overcome even by going into the wilderness. That flesh rose up in him and it talked to him. But when Jesus told his disciples, you have received this by, the, by our Father which is in heaven. Peter, you've got a revelation here. This did not come to you by flesh and blood. In other words, the, being in the genealogy of Adam is not how you come to this thing. Now that's interesting. Because you could spend your entire lifetime cycling in the story of God in the first Adam and never become spiritual. And then you look at the manifestation of what that story looks like. And what do you think it looks like? Well, it looks just like it does in the Bible, John. A mix of good and evil, doesn't it? You got good kings. You got evil kings. You got good prophets. You got false prophets. And this doesn't just work in the male. It works in the female, too. You've got Ahab. You got Jezebel. You've got all kinds of a mix because of flesh and blood. Is this why Jesus came? Is this why Jesus came from heaven, born of a woman made under the law, to be born into that flesh of Adam so he could overcome it? And how did he overcome it? Dan just wrote about this. How did Jesus overcome the flesh of Adam? No sin. He did not succumb to it. He did not submit to it. He did not get allured by it. And when I say it like this, he was tempted in that flesh. But when I say allured, his desire was not there for it. When Pilate said, look, is this true about you? Are you God? Are you the son of God? What did Jesus say? For this purpose was I born. I came here for this reason. You can kill me, but I could call, what? What did he say? Twelve legions of angels to come and get me right now? If the Father so willed it, I could simply pray the prayer. They would come and get me out of this mess. But for this purpose was I born. What, what, what was he saying? He was saying, I, the holy God of Israel, was born into this corruptible flesh of Adam so I could show you guys the way out of sin and death. So I could take you out of hell. So I could deliver you and change you and make you new. And has God not been faithful to that? I'm going to just tell you like this, man. Without Jesus, I, I know Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. It goes a little deeper than that for me. Without Jesus, wouldn't be here. Without Jesus, some of you would not be here. You say, some of us, I'm only talking consciousness right now. If it hasn't yet come into your consciousness, that is the consciousness of sin, and you therefore do not even know you need to be saved, then you're not in the club I'm talking about. But the moment you come into the consciousness that you're a sinner separated from God, and you humble yourself before the Lord, and he begins to love you, what do you begin to do back to him? He that is forgiven much, loves much. So when Jesus is talking to these disciples, he's giving them this revelation. He says, upon this truth, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build my church upon a solid rock, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. When you go back and you look at how God started this story, was it not good? Was it not perfect? Was it not awesome? Could you imagine being in the garden, having everything you need provided? 
one commandment comes into play. God says, listen to me. All you got to do is eat of these trees that are in the garden. That's all you got to do. You'll learn everything you need to learn. You'll know everything you need to know. In the due appointed time, they will teach you. They'll instruct you. They'll guide you. But whatever you do, do not eat of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. If you eat of that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in the day that you eat of that tree, in that day, you're going to die. We say, that sounds hard. No, not really. What do you got to do? You just got to keep the commandment. You say, well, I've tried all my life to keep the commandment. Yeah, by flesh and blood. But what is it about flesh that makes things difficult? What is it? Somebody said weak, love it. John, you said it first. That, look at Deb. She's giving John all the credit because you said it first, John. <laughs> Nonetheless, it's weak. What else is in flesh? Lust? Oh, know some things about lust. What else is in flesh? Sin, pride, fear. Those seven abominations work in that lust, in that, in that flesh, don't they? Seven abominations, seven lies, seven devils. How'd you like to be free of that? Boy, it'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Jesus can do that. Now, I I hear some light, faint amens. That's flesh talking back to me. When it gets into your spirit and it begins to convert you and change you and heal you and deliver you and, yes, cast out devils out of you. Imagine being consumed by pride. Imagine arrogance and pride. You think you're better than everyone around you. You think people are under you. That's how, that's how arrogance works. That's how pride works. Right, Don? Don knows about that because she saw it in me. So when that arrogance takes over a being, when it takes over a spirit, when it takes over a mind, oh, man. There ain't nothing getting through that. It's a, it's a fortified wall. It's a fortress. It's just not God's fortress. So you build yourself up in the things of the unholy. Now, you don't know that they're unholy at that time. You're doing this all in the name of who? God. When you go back to those early chapters of Genesis and you see the sons of God, think about it for a second. They came unto the daughters of the sons of men, thinking they were doing all of this as they called upon the name of the Lord. They were doing this in God. I want to be like God. What's wrong with being like God? What's wrong with being like Daniel? What's wrong with being like Rick? What's wrong with desiring these things? Nothing if it's in the right intent. Nothing nothing if it's in the right heart. But if it's in the heart and the mind of flesh and blood, if it's in the man of sin, if it's in the carnal mind, you got a whole lot that's working unseemly things right there. In fact, pride, strife, envy. What spirit is working there? Is it the spirit of confusion? 
Is confusion working in all those things? And we've got a work now of iniquity and sin and death. So you go from a perfect garden. You go from a garden that God blessed. You've got a man of God, a son of God that has been given authority and dominion to rule with God. God is walking with him in the cool of the day. Every morning, imagine getting up and God is there. Walking with you, talking with you, fellowshipping with you. And then all of a sudden, questions begin to rise. That weakness begins to come forth and you begin to contemplate. What exactly did God mean by that comment? What did God mean I would die? What did God mean I can't eat of that tree? Well, wouldn't it be very simple to say that if Rick, for example, is walking in a high revelation of spiritual places... And Dan was to tell you, now don't go chasing after that. I know Rick said something the other day, but don't go chasing after that because you're not quite ready for that. What is it about that? Being told no. You see it in our kids all the time. You tell them no and oh boy, here we go. Right? My niece is about to learn that lesson firsthand. You know what's awesome about seeing our kids have babies? We get to sit back, grab the popcorn, and watch them go through what they put us through. And I love it, man. It's awesome. You having fun over there? Oh, good. Yeah, reap it a little bit of what you sowed. Ah, but it's not all bad. Kids are good. Kids are, kids are awesome until they're not. And then you just have to deal with it, right? You can deal with it the wrong way or the good way. God deals with his children in a very good way. He doesn't beat us. He doesn't scream at us. He doesn't curse us. Adam wasn't cursed because of his sin. Adam received a word from God filled with consequences because of his disobedience. But he was never cursed. The ground was cursed for Adam's sake. Then you got to ask, what is that ground? So this thought of weakness rises up and a serpent comes out to play. I'm just showing you how the devil got you in the beginning. That's all. This devil gets you because you, what? You questioned? Your lust got the best of you? That old dragon, that serpent, that devil, Dan just got up here and said, don't don't give your time to him. But you did. You did give your time to him. You gave your time to him and you listened to what he had to say. And he sowed some lies to you. He seduced you with the thought that you could be better than what you were. That you could be greater than what you were. That you could be like God. Not knowing that the thought he took that in. That he himself began to merchandise in. Defiled him. Because it was not God who gave him that. Make sense? That's like the man coming into the the wedding supper and grabbing a chair. And just sitting down without an invitation. And then embarrassingly so, the Lord of the house comes and says, hey, I need you to get up. My invitation has arrived. The one I invited to sit here has arrived. It's like asking about this seat over here. Who's who's ready for that seat? It's got to be by invitation. You can't take it. It has to be given to you. Are you with me? But that lust in us desires to take, doesn't it? It's very violent. It's very wicked. 
You say, Gary, why are you preaching this stuff? I'm just reminding you where you came from, what God has done. And I'm getting to a very quick point here. The man of sin builds his own kingdom, builds his own church, does it his way. But you know what's sitting at his table? Evil kings, a wicked woman named Jezebel, false prophets galore sitting around his feast table. And he allows his wife to feed them delicacies that continue to seduce you, to put you into a slowful sleep where you can't hear, you can't remember. Why? Because the devil never wants you to remember who you are in God. So if he can keep you drowsy, if he can keep you sleeping, then you'll never hear the word of God that wakes you up. But guess what? Jesus said in Luke that there's coming a time when the voice of the archangel is going to blow that trumpet. I'm mixing a couple things here. But he's going to blow that trumpet. and There's going to be a voice from heaven that's going to hit all those graves and going to raise them from the dead. Some unto life and some unto damnation. So is it good or bad that God, when Jesus comes and he begins to preach his word to me, that good thoughts and bad thoughts begin to rise up? What is God after? He's after that mix. He's after that defilement. Why? Because Jesus said before it was done, the prince of this world, where? This world, the world that was in that flesh, that was ordained back from the original sin, if you want to call it that, in that garden where Adam disobeyed God, that curse that went upon that ground, Jesus came into it. And he came into it to overcome it. So when Jesus is born into the flesh of Adam, what does he do? He lives in it with all the lust, with all the desires that worked in that flesh that got passed down from generation to generation to generation. He lived in it without sin. So what did he do to that flesh? Did he overcome it? Oh, yes. And when he brought it into subjection, what did he let them do to it? Did he let them kill it? Why? Why would God do such a thing? Because it had to die. There are things in us that need to die. There are things in us that need to be repented from. They need to be put to death. So that what? That the word of God that has been sown into us can be resurrected. And God take the old thing. You remember how we used to have church? We don't have church like that anymore, do we? Why? Because we had church in the old man. But what is God doing now? Is he building a new church? Is he, is he raising up a gospel of Jesus, not a gospel of men? Oh boy. Am I stepping on too many toes this morning? Because I got news for you. It is seductive. You, you don't know until you have preached to thousands of people just how seductive it is. You're worshipped. But who's the only one that can afford to be worshipped? The Lord. So God took us from that sin that worked in Adam. And began to reveal that sin. Begin to reveal the man of sin. And what's he begin to do? Does he begin to purge it, Tim? Does it begin to heal it? You say, why would sin need to be healed? Because sin cripples you. 
Sin defiles you. It deforms you. It inhibits you. It blinds you. That's how the little G of this world blinds the eyes of them. That is of this world that cannot, so they cannot see the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus. If he can put sin in you, work sin in you, then he keeps you blinded, Dave, so you can't see. If you can't see when the light of the glorious gospel comes, then you have no way out. No way out of your darkness. So everything that God has done has been leading up to what? Delivering us from that man of sin and showing us Jesus. Of course, Jesus had to come first before that man of sin can be revealed. That's interesting to me. Because the old man, the old way of church, what did we always talk about? We didn't talk about angels. We didn't talk about celestial things. We didn't talk about heavenly things. What did we talk about? We talked about flesh and blood. Your weakness, your difficulties, your challenges, your trials, your tribulations, all according to the flesh. The devil's sitting back saying, well, don't have to do much here because I'm not getting addressed. They don't even know I'm here. All that arrogance and all that pride, they don't even know. They don't even know that's me. They think they're doing that in God. They think that is God. So he's sent back on vacation. Up, oh, But then Jesus shows up in one of the synagogues. Jesus shows up and begins to preach the word of God. And all of a sudden, devils begin to rise up. Devils look over at Jesus and say, what are you doing here? Why are you here, Jesus? Have you come to torment us? Oh, man, look at all the times they, they talked to Jesus. They were afraid of Jesus. Why? Because lies hate truth. And God has given us truth. And because of that truth, we are free now from lies that used to possess us. We are free now from lies that defiled us and told us the wrong things about God. And because of that, God is tearing down that old man. He's tearing down that old house. He's tearing down that old church. He's tearing down that old temple. That decrepit old temple full of lies and false prophecy and apostate. Now it's interesting. Jesus said heaven is like unto a man. So if you've got the wrong man working, then the wrong heaven, the wrong earth, the wrong gospel, the wrong everything is working. But here's the key about God. Here's the good thing about God. God doesn't destroy you in this process. He changes you. If it's a lie right now, John, the word of God comes to you. It angers you because the lie in you doesn't agree with that truth. But that truth shows you love and compassion and begins to guide you. And you, you take a thought to submit yourself and just give it a moment. Let me give it a minute. I want to at least hear what you got to say. Oh, devil's done. Devil's done. The word of God begins to speak to you and sows to you. And all of a sudden, you find yourself sitting before the Lord at his feet. And he's teaching you the things of heaven. And all of a sudden, every lie you ever believed, every lie you ever thought, God begins to show you truth. And what does it do to that lie? Does it change that lie? Does it convert that lie? So it didn't destroy what was. It changed it. It converted it and made it new. So it's not a lie anymore. You say, you're trying to save the devil over here? No, there ain't going to be no devils in heaven. 
We're telling you that we're going to preach the gospel to them. And when they cry out and repent to God for being a devil, we're going to give them the grace of Jesus. And when they fall at the feet of Jesus, we're going to baptize them. And God's going to fill them with the Holy Ghost, meaning there will no longer be a devil. That's pretty awesome. So what happens to all that pride? God converts it. You look at Paul. Paul was a zealot, man. He was full of zeal. To do what? He had letters in hand. He killed the saints. And it bothered him for a great time. But by the time God got done with him, what did God do with the zeal that was in Saul? Did he not convert to Paul and cause that zeal to work in murder? To become the greatest grace, the work of grace in an apostle that was willing to go into depths of hell and death and sin and pluck them out for the name of Jesus. That's what God does. So whatever it was that worked in Israel, you could call it a number of things. They had an evil heart of unbelief, one writer said. Wouldn't it be awesome if God took that old man and changed his evil heart of unbelief. And he was one of the greatest. She was one of the greatest preachers of believing in Jesus among us. Wouldn't that be awesome? The most stubborn. The most arrogant. The most defiled. Someone working sorcery and witchcraft and all kinds of wickedness. And God take that person. Cast devils out of them, Julie. And bring them to the feet of Jesus. Lay hands on them. Fill them with the Holy Ghost. And rise them up, raise them up, and send them forth as a preacher of the gospel. And then do the same for others that God did for them. That's the church God's building. That's the difference in what was and what is right now. And don't worry, we're just scratching the surface. Rick says all the time, we're just scratching the surface. That means there's greater Have you ever had thoughts like, well, what about me? I want to dream like that. I want to hear from God. I want the Holy Ghost. How many have ever prayed, I want the Holy Ghost? Have you ever prayed it? Was that a wrong prayer? At some point, don't you have to pray that God will fill you with the Holy Ghost? What if I told you the Holy Ghost is already on you? You've already received the Holy Ghost. You've already received it. What does that simply mean? Does it mean, Julie, you just got to come into the consciousness of it? You got to come into the revelation of it? You got to come into the awareness of it? You got to let the word of God that he sowed in you as a small little seed done by faith. You got to let it go deep, get some good, strong roots, and then let it come up and let the fruit come to bear. Is that all we're talking about? Oh, I'm telling you, each and every one of you have received the Holy Ghost by prophecy. Why? You're here, aren't you? You love this word, don't you? So what does this mean? Are we just waiting on prophecy to come to pass? Are we waiting for prophecy to be fulfilled? You say, but what about all these enemies? Well, I just told you. Jesus said, because you have the revelation of who I am, Peter, I'm going to build my church. Not your church, Peter, my church. I'm going to build my church upon a rock. And the gates of hell will not prevail. So you know what I got to say about the devil? Don't worry about the devil. Don't worry about him. Get your eyes on Jesus. When it's time to deal with that devil, guess who's going to be there to teach you how to deal with him? Jesus. 
because you can't do it without him. You can't overcome him without Jesus. That's 2 Thessalonians for you. You've got to first have that great falling away and that man of sin must be revealed. Only Jesus does that. Only the Holy Ghost does that. Only the Holy Ghost can show you a thing like Revelation 12. Only the Holy Ghost can show you things that work in the kingdom of God, its origin, what happened in the beginning, the fall, all of it. Only God does that. The man of sin ain't going to show that to you. And if the man of sin does show you a mockery of it, he's only done that to keep you blind to the truth of it. Kind of like, well, I had a dream 35 years ago. I'm still just waiting on it. Maybe you should just move on, let that dream go for now, and just focus on the word of God. So let me wrap it up like this. How does God build this church? Well, I kind of gave the clue to it when I started. It's done by foundation. God does not build from the top down in that sense of the word. He builds it by foundation. And and actually, when you look at it, the, the foundation of the church is built upon what? The apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So in actuality, he does build it from the top down. You understand what I'm saying? He starts with heaven and works it into the earth. But my point is simple. We like to try to attain certain things. No, that's the old way. That's what God's delivered us from. We don't do that anymore. We do this now by the revelation of Jesus. Everything decent and in order. Everything in God's perfect time. You say, what does that mean, Gary? It means that sometimes we just need to wait on God. You got a ticket, don't you? You're in line, aren't you? You're here, aren't you? You're with us. We've prayed for you. You're still with us. The devil tried to take you out, but he didn't. You say, but you don't know what. Oh, yes, I do. Oh, yes, I do. I promise you we know. We know what works in the flesh. We know what works in your spirit. We know. You say, how do you know? Did you have a dream about me? I don't need a dream about you. I already know what works in man. I already know that familiar spirit. That spirit that knows the things of a man. We know it because we were in it. And when God takes you out of it and he puts you into the Holy Ghost, what does the spirit of God in you know? All those things of God. So God begins to talk to you just like he did Adam. You get that do-over. You get back to the garden, but now you're awake from a dream that scared the bejesus out of you. And that's okay. Because you need a do-over. That's why Jesus came. So Jesus comes to give you love. He comes to give you peace. He comes to give you hope. He's not concerned about how many devils there are, how many failures there are, how many mistakes you have made, how many enemies are sitting around you. How many times have we preached that God has prepared a table in the presence of your enemies? He didn't say your angels. He said your enemies. The angels come later. Because there is a table in heaven where you get to sit around with a bunch of angels and fellowship the gospel of Jesus Christ. Have you ever heard a testimony service by angels? Listen, people, I'm telling you, everything in order, everything done in its timing, God's timing. So if you're here with us, you're part of us. No matter what part of the body you are, no matter where you're at in prophecy, no matter where you are in your walk with God, 
The word of God has covered you. The word of God is building a solid foundation. He's building this church upon truth. He's building this church now upon the revelation of Jesus, not the spirit of men. That's not God. That's what God delivered us from, and thank God for it. Couldn't have come soon enough. So you say, why are these doctrines so important? Well, I told you earlier, gave you a little hint. This is how God creates new creatures. Where's that scripture, Megan, that Paul talks about the old man and the new man? Maybe we'll put that up real quick before we close. I mean, I haven't even been going 30 minutes, so dang, that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I know there's several of them. These doctrines, while she's looking for that, are very important. Why? Well, let me ask you a question. Let's take the very first one. Julie, you said, where do I start? Well, let me, let me help you out there. Well, when you go to Dan's writing, actually where you start is with the question of what is doctrine? Have you ever asked? Have you ever actually asked, what, what is doctrine? What does that even mean? Because religion will tell you doctrine just divides us all. So they would say, don't, don't teach doctrine. Just, just preach a you know, wonderful message. Don't preach doctrine because that divides us. No, doctrine unites us. It unites us in the revelation of Jesus. But what is the first principle in the doctrine of Christ? What is it? It's repentance from what? Haven't I been preaching this first doctrine to you? Repentance from dead works. What did we have our church built upon? A foundation of dead works? Were we men and women filled with dead works? Did we talk about God? We, we said we loved God. We, we said we followed God. And we did. We followed everything we thought was God. I traveled all over this country trying to find truth. Someone said to me, you would literally jump up, pack up, and move away and follow after the next best thing. No, I'm just looking for truth. So why have we been here so long now? Why is all that gone? Why is all that done? Why is there no more packing up and moving? I'm not talking about Boise. The truth found us. The truth was revealed, Tim. There's no more searching. I can confidently tell you every question I ever had as a young man, as a preacher, and I preached among some of the best preachers you've ever heard, but they didn't have truth. They could be a good orator, but that's not what we're interested in. We're interested in truth. And you follow these men because you think they have a certain amount of truth or a particular revelation that's going to help you become in God. But the truth has come. And now that truth has entered into the equation, oh, it has changed everything. And I can tell you, full confidence, there's not a single question I had growing up in religion that has now not been answered. In fact, we're in places now of what I would call the unknown. We're in new places now, new things to learn, things to go beyond where we've ever imagined. That's pretty awesome. So in other words, you say, well, there's no new thing. Yeah, in the earth, there's no new thing. But God is an eternal God. Trust me, he's got some things he ain't told us yet. Rick's got some things he ain't told us yet. Why? 
Maybe not ready. Oh, boy. Even elders? What? Are you kidding me right now? Oh, man. Angels are young, too. Angels grow up, too. Got to make sure you got your wings first before you get certain things. And then there's beyond that. I mean, what did you think eternity was anyway? <laughs> it's going to be pretty awesome, isn't it, Tim? But these doctrines, beginning with repentance from dead works. If heaven is like unto a man, then the man of sin's heaven is defiled, isn't it? Because in heaven he took a wrong thought and he defiled himself. And God had to put him out. And when this thing is put out, trust me when I tell you, God's eternal purpose and plan is to get back everything that went out, everything that fell. God just can't do it until it's willing to what? To repent. You say, well, I'm just waiting on God. You sure about that? Or is there something God is waiting on in you concerning repentance from dead works? Didn't Jesus say, repent from whence thou art falling? Remember from whence thou art falling and repent? Had to correct that. Remember from whence you are falling and repent. So is there something God needs to remind you of, not for the point of condemnation, but take you back to that beginning and remind you where you fell so that true repentance can happen? And when God does that, what do you think happens then? Does God begin to start that foundation? Does God begin to build you, sta stabilize you, put you, put you on a solid rock of truth so that when enemies come, what, what, what can they do to that? Because that's the real fortress of God. Annie talked about it with the buckler and the, the fortress. That's God's kingdom. David was talking about God's kingdom. I'm no longer that man of sin. I'm, I'm God's man. I'm God's woman. And now that I'm God's man and I'm God's woman, guess what you can't do, devil? You can't take me anymore. You can't run my, ruin my life. You can't talk to me. I, I'm not interested in anything you've got to say. I've got truth. This is why doctrine is so important. You need to know how to talk to the devil. And doctrine will teach you that. Doctrine will solidify you. It'll bring purpose into you. It'll teach you who you are, who you were, who God has made you. And when that devil comes against you, you can put the word of God to him, just like Jesus did in the wilderness. So why is doctrine so important? Because it's creating in you a new heart, a clean heart, a right heart. How to think about God and his kingdom, his government. Everything that God has put in order, it'll train you how to think about it, how to perceive it, how to walk in it, how to live by it. Sounds pretty important, doesn't it? God's done a great thing for us by taking us out of the old and putting us into the new. And this church that God's building right now, rejoice. Because God's not done, man. God's just putting in the foundational levels right now. And then he's going to build this house. And Colossians says that the church is what? Is the body of the Lord Jesus? You say, I'm in Jesus? Well, you're saying, I'm part of the church. I am the church. I'm the bride of Christ. Is that why God's doing this great thing among us right now with the women? Is he not building the church? 
He ain't going to leave them women out. That's not God's way. That was man's way. That's not God's way. That's pretty awesome. Stand up with me. Yeah, let's go. You might want to tell destiny back there. Let's see if Megan got the right one here. Because there's like a ton. So it wouldn't even be our fault because I couldn't remember it. So Ephesians 4.22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on, I love this, that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And if you ladies are like, well, where does it say woman there? Oh, God included it. Remember in the beginning they were one? So what do you think God's doing here when he builds the church? It's not going to be a whole bunch of separate things going on. It's going to be one church, one body, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We're all part of who? Who's the new man? Jesus. So are you upset about being one with Jesus? Oh, come on now. This is good. I think this morning that we should leave and we should be very happy that God has brought us truth and that God is building us on a sure foundation. It's like Peter said, we have a more sure word of prophecy. God has taken us from the old and he's given us the new. He's building a new heaven and a new earth. Isn't that awesome? Clap your hands to the Lord. Who's taking this? Julie? Julie?